0: Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message from our lead pastor, Greg Fraser. How many of you have been enjoying the Book of Acts series that we've been in? Amen. There's 28 chapters, so you might as well enjoy it because we're on chapter four today. Uh, Last week... uh, young pastor cole preached a great message and if you didn't hear it you should go online and listen to it he talked about the power of jesus name this is one of the quotes he had when we call on the name of jesus we are invoking Jesus' character and power into whatever situation we are facing amen That's right. so the more you know him the more you can rest in and rely upon him and trust him because in this life, you will have troubles. You will have difficult things that you go through, but you are not alone. We're going to be jumping into chapter 4, and I, I want to focus, and I'm, it's going to sound funny because you're going to say, well, Pastor Greg, you didn't really focus on this verse by the time we get to the end, but I'll, let me, we'll get there, so just hang in there. But Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Amen? Well, let's pray and see what that means for all of us gathered here today. So, Father, we thank You for Your Spirit. We thank You for Your presence. We thank You for Your wisdom Living God, come into this house today. Thank you that you actually have invited us here. (laughs) We don't invite you, Lord. This is your house. And so, Father, we thank you that you are present and have invited us to be with you. Dear God, help us now. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond to you, and help us to be honest with you tonight, today, Lord. And to really hear your voice, direct us, we pray. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 3, last week, if you weren't here, uh, there was a miracle of great uh, notable significance. A man born crippled, being healed by the apostle Peter. And as he's begging outside at the appointed time of prayer, Peter and John are going to prayer, and this man is there begging. He's probably there every day begging. But this day they walk by him, and he's begging, and Peter says, silver and gold, I have none. But what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. He grabs the man by the hand, and he helps him, and his ankles are strengthened. His feet are healed and strengthened, and immediately he begins to jump and leap, and praise God, a significant miracle. Last week, we shared several miracles that have happened in our church family. Amen? And we are so grateful for those things, and continue to believe for greater miracles to start happening in this house on a very constant basis. Because it's time for the kingdom of God to manifest among the kingdoms of this world. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. And so this creates quite a stir. And I want you to follow now in chapter four. I'm going to read a portion of this and we're going to talk about it. The priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were sp- speaking to the people, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were preaching and the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believe, and the number of men grew to about 5,000 people. Remember a few weeks earlier, there was 120 in the church. Now there's several thousand people in the church, because 500 men, that's not talking about women and children, that's talking about the men. Are you following what I'm saying? This is an incredible move of God that's happening, and uh, imagine if you had to come an hour early just to get a seat in this house. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? No, I like my seat. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. You'll get over it. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so let's just talk about this. There's this disturbing moment, guys, that something's happening that's causing things to be disturbed in the natural and in the spiritual realm, and I want you to understand what's happening because it somewhat applies to us even some 2,000 years later, and we'll get there. So follow along with me as we do a little bit of teaching as to what's going on here. Well, who were the Sadducees? Who were these guys? These were the people who controlled two of the most important aspects of the religious life of the the Jewish people. They were in charge of the Jewish temple, known as Herod's Temple, and the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was like the governing body of of the church or of the synagogue or of the Jewish people. The Sanhedrin was made up of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. These two groups of people uh, that combined made up the Jewish ruling body. And so how many of you know these guys had authority and power? This was real, the real deal. These guys, had, you know, they, they were, they were a powerful in every way, this governing body. And so what were their beliefs that this preaching so disturbed them? You see, the Sadducees rejected entirely the supernatural. They refuted belief in angels, demons, heaven, hell, and definitely the resurrection. They didn't believe in that stuff. They believe that really, you know, you're you're born into this world and that at the end of it, you know, uh, the the soul dies with the body and when this life's over, it's all over, so don't worry about it. So this is their primary belief. Are you following me? The major rulers, half of the rulers uh, of of the the whole system, kind of like, yeah, it's only for this life that we live morally and we live for this life morally because God wants to bless us. And if we're moral people, God will bless us and pray Prosperous, and we will be incredibly blessed in that way. And so, suddenly, this teaching comes in that says, Oh, no, 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 there's a resurrection from the dead, there's an afterlife, there's something way greater and bigger and more than this coming to you. And God can impact your life even in the here and now. It's interesting, the other half of the ruling body was the Pharisees, and the Pharisees. They believed in all the supernatural stuff. They believed in angels and demons and the resurrection of the dead. And they believed in heaven and hell. They believed in that stuff, but then they also added extra things. (laughs) These guys, uh, they believed in the oral traditions of of the leaders, and therefore they had created 613 laws to be obeyed. Can you imagine going to church and there's the list of 613 things you have to do in order to be right with God? Okay, are you following me? So, these, this ruling body's getting disturbed. This is what's happening. And this is an incredible kind of truth that we're heading into and understanding in this. Let's jump back to the Sadducees for a minute. You see, as a Sadducee, wealth seemed to be in their number one belief, <laughs> For the Sadducees, modern, modern archaeologists have uncovered that few of the Sadducee homes were described them as the most opulent discovered in Jerusalem. See, the focus of their lives was temporal, not eternal. Prosperity in the here and now, not building their eternal reward in any way. So they had this belief, this belief in the fact that there was no resurrection of the dead. There was no accountability for the next life. Just live, you know, make all you can and can all you make. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. No, no, Pastor starts to drift and starts talking about the resurrection from the dead. Why is that important news for you and me? Because there are parts of our lives that need to be transformed. There are parts of our lives that need to be taken from the deadness of trying to find purpose and meaning in this life and be resurrected into the newness of life of partnering with God. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's true. now understand something, guys, 5,000 men are part of the church is what I've said. Thousands of... Maybe 10,000, 15,000 people now are calling and moving away from traditional Judaism now to this new sect called Christianity. Guys, that's one-tenth of the population of Jerusalem. In a matter of weeks, one-tenth of the population suddenly is following this new teaching. Now, if you're in charge of the temple and you're in charge of the temple income and you're in charge of people and you're governing people and you're ruling them by fear and control and suddenly there's freedom that starts to come and a new teaching that starts to come, how many of you know this is disturbing? <laughs> and so they call them. They call them in this place. Have you ever had Jesus? T- <laughs> okay, how many have ever put God in a little box? And thought you had God completely understood? Nobody here. Okay, I'll tell you a story from my life. Okay, so I've I've put God in so many boxes. He has smashed and obliterated every box that I have built around Him. Nothing left of it. Like, it's gone. So when I... Now, I'm going to just tell you a little story here, so don't be offended. Hang in there, okay? So when I first became a Christian, I came out of the Catholic church, but I wasn't a great Catholic. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was a C and e Catholic, Christmas, Easter. That's what I did, okay? I had two aunts that were nuns, but I was not that model Catholic child. I'm just going to tell you, there's a whole other story there. We won't get into that today. It's under the blood of Jesus and forgiven. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Okay, so, now I don't know, okay, I come to this Pentecostal church, I, get, I become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, but there was a group of people in that church that took it upon themselves to correct my upbringing. Not everyone, just a handful. But the minute they found out I was Catholic, they told me all the things that were wrong with the Catholic church. Now, guess what I started to do then? Defend the Catholic Church. I grew up in, the, my answer, my are nuns. Like, are you guys crazy? Why are you talking? Why are you taking it upon yourself to, instead of just saying, celebrating with me, that you found the love of God, that you're here, oh, the things that you got rescued from are so important. So I started to defend and fight these guys, and I'm like, what is going on? I had a good friend that you know was part of that little group, that was fighting against me. And I said, well, let's go. I'm going to my parents' church, the Catholic church. I'm going for, you know, the uh, Christmas Eve service, the Midnight Mass. Anybody Catholic ever go to a Midnight Mass? There I am. And my friend, being the magnanimous person that he is, says, well, I'll go with you and protect you. (laughs) And we'll pray that God anoints the Christmas carols because at least the gospel's there. So we go, and uh, I may have told you this story before, but it's funny. We go and we're in the second row, the third row, something like that. Catholic church is packed because every C and E Catholic is there. Okay, we're all there, <laughs> so it's like the best day of the year for the Catholic church. And uh, we're singing, and we pray for this anointing, and we're singing like we've never sang before. It was like the angels of God were present in the service with them. We when we were just the anoint, it was beautiful, you guys. I tried to sing the next day. I could barely sing at all. It just wasn't pretty, okay? But we're just singing. It's powerful. It's beautiful. And we're thinking, thank you, Jesus. The Lord has blessed us. And we've sang in the Catholic church. Here's the funny moment of clarity. (laughs) Sitting in front of us with three nuns. (laughs) And they turn around at the end. Two of them turn around. You boys are Pentecostal, aren't you? (laughs) And we're like, I'm like, yes! She's like, oh, we love Pentecostals. You should come to our prayer meeting tomorrow. We just love it when Pentecostals come and bring the power of the spirit with them. Will you guys join us? My friend looks so defeated and so crushed. <laughs> His soducy beliefs, the little box he had built around God were smashed to obliter- obliteration. Are you with me? You ever had God do that to you? You ever had God say, well, God, I got you figured out, I got, I know everything. Oh my gosh, God is so much bigger, so much more, so much more capable. Hallelujah. So God's going to come and shake up and disturb your little boxes that you put around them. Let's jump back in our story. I'm not going to put it on the screen, but I'm going to bring it up later. But let's just talk about it for a few minutes. The next day, the rulers, the elders of the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John Alexander, and the other members of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do these things? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, if we are being called to account for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame, and, and you're asking us how it was he was healed... Then know this, you and all the people of Jerusalem, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. For he is the stone that the builders rejected, and he's become the cornerstone. For salvation is found in no one else and there is no other name in heaven and under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Woo! Okay. Now, now, you guys, Peter, something has happened in this guy just a few weeks before. Remember, Peter is now anointed in the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit just a few weeks before at the night Christ was betrayed. Remember? A little schoolgirl says, do you know Jesus? No, I don't know him. She comes up to him again, do you know Jesus? No, I never met the guy, I don't know anything about him. No, I think I saw you, someone else says, I think I saw you with him. You were in the garden. I swear to God I don't know him. That's what he does. And he literally calls curses on himself if he's lying. How many of you know something's happened in Peter's life that's changed some things? He's now standing before the rulers, you guys. These are the, like, terrifying rulers, the most important people. He's called in, you're in chains, and suddenly he's like, you guys are calling us to account for an act of kindness to somebody? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's your fault! (laughs) Not only does he blow apart their teachings, he makes them complicit in the death of Jesus Christ now before we get all excited you're all complicit in the death of jesus christ you're about to celebrate that fact this is the core message of the gospel if you will but understand that in and of yourself you cannot do it on your own i'm not enough unless you come lord would you meet me here again? You see, communion is us meeting with God again and saying, Lord, and of myself, I'm so distant, I'm so separated, I'm so apart from you, but in Christ Jesus, I'm brought near. God, I'm brought near. And so, Lord, I'm enough now because of what you've done, Jesus. This is the celebration of the church that we are in common union with Christ now. And we've become enough because of that. Amen? Amen. So, Piri is, by what power and by what name do you do this? It's in the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus predicted this boldness upon his followers. Luke 12 said this, when you're brought before the synagogue, the rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you will say, Luke 21, for I will give you the words and the wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or to contradict. Here's Peter, the unschooled, ordinary man. Now, it's not that Peter was ignorant. He was just schooled as a fisherman. He wasn't schooled in the nuances and the particularities of the law. He was trained in a different way, but God, by the power of his spirit, was now raising him up. How many need hope as ordinary, unschooled people? hallelujah thank you well I have schooling I have education pastor what are you talking about I'm not talking about that I'm saying all these little nuances and little tithers of the law and little dots and tittles that they would think and talk about and and go over oh this is the most important thing how many angels can be on the head of a pin (laughs) it'll change your life no it won't but this message will you are complicit in the death of Jesus Christ (laughs) do you believe it see this is what peter declares this complicity this is what we're about to celebrate it's in the name of jesus christ of nazareth whom you crucified but god raised from the dead this man now stands before you healed jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone salvation is found nowhere else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which man can be saved. This is the essential message, church. You see, each one of us needs to understand. And this is the beautiful part about being ordinary, unschooled men and women. Is if we will but believe Jesus and his words, he will transform us. You know the greatest gift of being an ordinary, unschooled person is? You actually believe God easier than people who have a extreme education on things and a whole lot of wealth to lose. Call me ordinary. Call me unschooled. I get Jesus. I get Jesus. Amen. That's good news, guys. You say, well, I'm not complicit in the death of Jesus Christ. Yes, you are. You're about to tell and celebrate, as I've said. Listen to what it says in Colossians. When you're dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He took it away nailing it to the cross aren't you glad aren't you glad that you believe jesus has the power to forgive your sins aren't you glad that you don't have a whole bunch of religious nonsense in the way of receiving christ aren't you glad that you really don't have you know the wealth in this world that says well i have more to trust in than that simple person over there so therefore I don't need to believe in Jesus. Aren't you glad? Amen? Amen? I need him. And I'm glad he's there to meet me. How do we reject Jesus? You know, it's interesting. 1 Corinthians 1 23 says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. See, the Jews represent every person who is self righteous, who thinks they have defined everything that God is. And if I just do these things, then God will approve of me. And, and, you know, everyone else, they really don't get it. And that was kind of like these Pharisees. Are you following me? The Pharisees, they had all the, the laws of God, but then they added to the laws of God. And Jesus would come and he would break all these extra laws that they would do to try and teach them, you guys have missed it. You've missed it. You know, I mean, he was, Jesus preached things like, You guys travel the whole world to win a single convert and they're all nodding their heads and saying, yes, we do, yes, we do. And then you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. You guys swallow a camel and strain out a gnat. You think you're all that because you live up to some laws? Guys, the difference between dead works and good works, dead works are the things that you do in order to try and be right with God, and good works are the things you do because you are right with God. Amen? Amen? And so these Pharisees, these Sadducees, their whole world's getting shaken. They've been in control of everything. And these unschooled, ordinary men... Are holding them in contempt. What's okay? Let me do a little teaching here. How many have ever heard of the word worldview? Your worldview is kind of your your fundamental beliefs, and you don't even sometimes know that you have them. But every single human being has a worldview. Every one of you. Let me read a definition. Okay, and it's very like, oh my gosh, Pastor Greg, where are you going? Just let me read this to you, and then we're going to talk for a few minutes about it. A worldview is a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart that can be expressed as a story or in a set of presuppositions, assumptions which may be true, partially true, or entirely false, that we hold consciously or unconsciously, consistently or inconsistently about the basic constitution or construction of reality and that provide the foundation in which we live and move and have our being what a mouthful you can read this book i've read it it's a great book james sire the universe next door now when greg fraser became a christian how many of you know he did not have a christian worldview He didn't. He was so secular. He was so apart from God. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, like when I first came to Jesus, how many know he did not correct all my theological inconsistencies at that point? <laughs> okay? Like I'm going to give you one, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm going to give you one. So I totally believed, I totally believed abortion was perfectly fine it was a woman's right and for the church to say anything else they don't understand god okay how many of you know god corrected that inconsistent teaching in my heart but he did not condemn me in that (laughs) amen He didn't say, you dirty, rotten, I saved you, and now you think this still. I was convinced that was truth until God changed me and said, Greg, I've created these little babies in my image. How beautiful they are. I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you've ever had an abortion. There's forgiveness at the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. I'm just saying, I've had God reorient my thinking. Are you following me? And you're saying, well, I don't believe that yet, Greg. That's okay. Just bring it to Jesus. You know, you don't have to convince somebody to be a Christian. All you have to do is share the good news with them. You know, (laughs) hallelujah. I could go into the eight things, the eight questions you need to ask to determine your worldview. I'm not going to do that. Look it up yourself. You can go through them, but I'm going to go pick on a few, okay? Here's one. The question of origin, where did you come from? What is really real? For the Christian, we say God is real. God is the foundation of all origin. He is the creator and sustainer of life. Amen? Amen. Now, for the atheists, they say, well, you know, this is all that's real. It's a natural matter. It's all that matters. So you maybe try and do something that you want to live on after you because when you're dead, you're just worm bait and you're gone. There's nothing more to your life. That's a worldview. Now, I'm not trying to convince that person. I'm not trying to say, you're stupid atheist. I just say, here's the good news that I found. Amen? I've been created in the image of God. Wow. I have a beautiful image, I'm, I'm, I'm a God's image bearer. I'm created with an incredible purpose in my life. Man, I'm created, I'm created to live with God and have amazing relationships. And I'm gonna be, have a relationship with him in the here and now, and I'm gonna have a relationship with, ship with him in eternity. That's the good news, and I can share that. I meet with my Muslim, Muslim barber and we talk theology all the time. I'm not trying to convert him. He cannot grasp. You see, there's a question of morality and a question of, of evil. And, and he cannot grasp that I have faith in Jesus, but it's not based on what I've done, but what on Christ has done. And he's like, well, you need to live up to the seven pillars. You need to do all these things. You need to do more. How can you say you're right with God or more right with God than I am? I say, brother, I'm just telling you the good news. God accepts me right where I'm at. And he's taken me on a journey toward wholeness in life. Then he has a razor in his hand and he puts a part of my hair. I mean, it's a terrifying moment for me. (laughs) Okay. But you know the beautiful thing of my beautiful Muslim friend? I've prayed with him. When his wife had cancer and they had a little one coming. I said, man, can I pray with you? He said, absolutely. Why? I wasn't trying to convert him. I was just loving him. Amen? Everybody can do that. Okay. I mean, you go into the question of purpose. The nihilist says there's no meaning in this life, just live and party and have fun. God says, no, no, no. Come on. Love God, love others. The question of destiny, where are you going? The atheist says, again, so many things, just live your life in such a way that things live on after you. But the Christian says, In this life, I'm going to have trouble, and it's a hard life sometimes, but there's more than this life. Amen? God is with me and for me and not against me. One day I'm going to go with Him where every sin, every tear, everything is going to be removed that is evil or takes away from life, and I'm going to be with God in eternity for eternity. And this is the promise of God. How many of you know you have a great worldview? (laughs) You have a great worldview, church. You say, well, Pastor Greg, what about people that don't know Jesus? How can you say that they're not going to heaven? You know, there's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved, but if they don't know Jesus, how can you say that, Pastor? You know, God even made a measure to account for that. Let's read it. Romans chapter 2, when outsiders who have never heard of God's law follow it more or less by instinct, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien imposed in us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no, right and wrong. Their responses to God's yes and And know will become public knowledge on the day that god makes his final decision about every man and woman the message from god that i proclaim through jesus christ takes into account all of these differences isn't that good news that somebody who's never heard of god but lives their life in the fear of the lord they don't even know him, but they're, they know about him because they see him in creation and they understand him and they turn their... Guys, you might be surprised, but who's going to be in heaven? <laughs> Amen? How, how big is your God? God is good. Do you know, I know this, that nobody on the day of the Lord is going to be able to stand before him and say, you were unfair to me. no one because he's good so here we are with this incredible calling but we've recognized we have an incredible problem called sin and that Jesus is the only solution you know when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note You know, I was in between services. I never shared this in the first, but it struck me. The greatest thing, and I've said earlier, about being an unschooled, ordinary person is it's easier to have faith because you realize that in and of yourself, you are insufficient. When you have years of education and teaching, sometimes you can get haughty and proud. Sometimes. By the way, I'm not against education and teaching. Okay? As a matter of fact, Luke, the doctor, wrote this. And Luke, the doctor, had money enough that he said, you know, I'm kind of done being a doctor. I'm going to follow Paul and preach the gospel. He's not opposed to money or education. Amen? Amen? but he's saying don't put your faith in those things this is the greatest strength of being an ordinary uneducated person is that i can trust god easier and receive the courage and the assurance of my salvation you know church your job is to be with jesus why do we sing the way we sing why are we raising our hands why are we shouting at times Because we have found a truth. Amen? We have found a hope that the world needs to know. It's not your job to convince people of this truth. It's just your job to share the good news. Amen? That God takes you and me, ordinary, unschooled people, and He does extraordinary things through us. The band's going to come back now. In a moment, we're going to celebrate our complicity in the Lord's death. Because there's nothing but grace on the other side of this church. You can choose to say, no, I don't believe that. Or you can choose to say, I absolutely believe that. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Because they're not fair, you see. Right? I don't want to be a sod, you see? Because they're so sad, you see. I just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. Amen? How many want to be a sheep with me? Come on. Amen. you ordinary, unschooled people. Ba, 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 ba. God is good. Well, peel back this little layer and expose the biscuit which represents the body of Christ see the one whole biscuit was broken into many pieces and in this room right now there are many of you that hold this piece amen aren't you glad Jesus Christ was broken into many pieces that you might be made whole and you're on the journey church you're on the journey you're not perfect yet You're still being made whole. You're still fragmented and fractured at times. At times you pull some worldview from over here and you pull some worldview from over here and then God is setting you straight and saying, no, let's clean it all up. It's gonna take a lifetime. And he still loves you. Amen? What a religion. What a call. What a, who doesn't wanna be a Christian? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God takes you right where you're at. Sins and warts and struggles and anger and brokenness. And he says, my son, my daughter, I love you. I'm for you and I'm not against you. Let's begin the journey toward wholeness and celebrate together Jesus Christ's death for us. This cup is the blood of the new covenant it's just some grape juice it just represents that christ died for your sins when you take this cup you are saying i acknowledge my complicity in the death of jesus because i want to share in the sufferings and the resurrection of jesus amen that's a good thing church let's partake together So here's my altar call today. We're going to sing this song in a moment. But if you're here and you say, I can't take that little cup. I haven't asked Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. You're watching online. Maybe you didn't know you were complicit in the death of Jesus. Maybe you never understood that. It was your sins that he paid the price for on the cross. He willingly who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. You were the joy set before him. Won't you receive him and accept him today as your Lord and Savior? Amen. If you're watching online, (laughs) if that's you, you're saying, Pastor Greg, I never knew. Well, now you know. The Sadducees didn't want to hear it. The Pharisees didn't want to hear it. But us ordinary unschool people say, Thank God for God. Amen. If that's you here today, we're praying right now, so everybody bow their head. If that's you here today, you know what? Raise your hand and say yes to Jesus. He's come all the way. The journey of a thousand miles. Yes, yes. Are there others that will join these in raising their hand? He's come all the way. He's knocking on the hearts of people right now. Don't say no to him. Say yes to him. He's paid the price. He's come all the way. Why would you turn away from him now? Today is the day of salvation. Not when you go and make yourself better. Make yourself more acceptable. Come with all your junk, all your stuff. Say, Lord, here I am. Would you take me and just give me a wave? If that's you online, let us know you've done that. There's others that have raised their hands here today every one of us that have ever raised their hand, say this prayer out loud together with everyone else in this room say heavenly father thank you for sending your son jesus to die for me now help me to live with him and for him in jesus name amen let's give these people a hand clap today Now, for the rest of us, maybe you're a Sadducee. And you're sad, you see. You've built a little box and God is breaking it open. Is that okay? Now, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but I'm gonna go through all these and you might wanna raise your hand to any one of them or all of them. How many of you need to stop mixing worldviews and start saying, God, teach me, train me in the way of being a believer and following you, Lord God? I got so many other teachings that are mixing in, but God, they're killing me because life only comes as we follow Jesus Christ, amen? How many of you unschooled, ordinary people just want to be filled to a greater measure with the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. You see, church, you're not enough unless he comes. And I think the last thing is just to commit to spend more time with Jesus. To spend more time with him, praising him. Spend more time with him in the word. Spend more time with him serving. Spend more time with him with other Christians. I had a meeting the other day with a very highly educated man, a very good friend of mine. He's a doctor. He asked me a hard question. He said, "Uh, how can God hold me accountable when I have never seen him personally? I don't think it's fair of God to do that. What do you think, pastor? And it was like the Holy Spirit put a word in my heart for my brother. I said, man, you know what? I go to church every week and I see Jesus in every single person I meet. I hear Jesus when they talk to me, when the worship leaders are leading. I I see Jesus. I see Jesus and, and people are caring for others. I see Jesus in the body of Christ. Man, I see Jesus so I have no excuse. I see Jesus everywhere. Hallelujah. You know, my friend, the doctor, the, the extraordinarily educated man was dumbfounded. He had nothing to say. He actually said, I I have to think about this. I've never heard that before. I've never understood that before. You are the picture of Jesus to the world. Woo! What a job description. (laughs) Man, this is the greatest life that you possibly could have and live. Won't you trust Jesus more and more with me? Amen joining us for more of our messages and information on our ministries you can visit tfhchurch.ca have a great week